All right, once again, it's time for questions and answers. This is where you ask questions on the comments in the YouTube channel. I'll pull them out and answer them here. All right, let's get going. Belzeboo wants to know, do you actually believe all the crap you're saying, LOL? Yes. Yes, I do. Extra John asks, why does the size of particle accelerators have to increase with the maximum energy they can probe? So what a particle accelerator really is, is it is a place where energy is turned into matter. They accelerate protons faster and faster and faster. They smash them together and the total energy, the total kinetic energy that has been gathered up in those protons at the moment of the collision is freezes out as particles. The more energy that you can have come together in this collision, the more massive particles that you can generate as your output. And so the larger the particle accelerator you can make, the more energy you can put, the faster you can get it, the closer really to the speed of light that you can make those particles, the more massive particles that you can have get created at the moment that the collisions come together. And so in the case of particle accelerators, bigger is better. More energy, more better. Rust Lord. What can be achieved with a spacecraft that can reach 1% of the speed of light? So we just did an episode on this, that even if you can get a spacecraft that'll go 1% the speed of light, you can colonize the entire galaxy in, you know, a few million years, maybe, you know, 10, just do the math, right? You can go 1% the speed of light, the, the galaxy is 120,000 light years across, say you start from the middle, you can go 60,000 light years. If you went light speed, it would take you 60,000 years. If you went 10% speed of light, it would take you 600,000 years. And if you could go 1% the speed of light, it would take you 6 million years to completely colonize. You, you know, with spacecraft factories landing on locations, building more robots, going to the next location. So it's kind of amazing, even if we can only go 1% the speed of light, if you build robotic factories, they can colonize the entire Milky Way, 400 billion stars. So it's kind of amazing that we haven't found these self-replicating robots, which is the whole episode shortly. Ubi, how can astronauts scratch their noses if they have a bad itch? So as soon as the astronauts went up into space, they realized not being able to itch their nose was actually a big problem. So they put Velcro inside their helmets that they can actually itch their nose against if they're feeling itchy. So they right away figured out this problem and right away figured out a solution to it. It would be, it would be so frustrating if you couldn't itch your nose while you're in space. Almost worth taking off your space helmet. But as we learned, don't do that. Question, how would humans evolve on Mars assuming we establish a colony there? So with human beings, we have actually disconnected ourselves from the whole concept of evolution. Human beings don't evolve anymore because we have no real evolutionary pressure that causes us to change. It's, you know, we can, uh, we can cure diseases, we, can, we have enough to eat, we don't have to fight in physical combat all the time, so actually we don't really evolve anymore in the same way that animals do. But uh, if you did go to Mars, the gravity on Mars would be 38% of the gravity here on Earth. And so assuming that you actually don't die in this low gravity, which is still kind of unknown uh, over a long period of time, or whether you can have children and those children will be healthy, uh, you would imagine that over time the Mars colonists would develop weaker muscles, weaker bones, but not through evolution, but just because as the body isn't given those same kinds of stresses, it just would create a lower muscle mass and a lower bone mass. But then if you had the, the baby and brought them back to Earth, they would, you know, uh, they would 
grow up normally, or if a Martian moved back to Earth and then really pumped some iron, they would be able to bring themselves up to normal human strength. So the evolution isn't really going to change in the short term. Maybe over millions and millions of years there might be a different evolution, but over short periods of time you wouldn't get much of a difference. Sketchy Games wants to know, what about creating a black hole and stand near it to dilate the time around so you can travel to the future without moving? Is that possible? Yeah, totally possible. Did you see the movie Interstellar? That's what happened, right? They went down to this world that was orbiting a black hole and the time dilation made it so that because they were close to the gravity of the black hole, their time was different from the time for the rest of the universe. And when they finally came out of the, this gravity well, they had lost whatever it was, 40 years or 80 years or something like that. So, so if you spend a lot of time near a black hole, Time will happen differently for you. You will experience less time than the rest of the universe. The problem is that it's a one-way journey. So you can, you can skip hundreds, thousands, millions of years if you want, but you can never go back. Captain Rogue, do you think Nemesis is real and why is it orbiting our sun? So this idea of Nemesis is this, that there's like another star, maybe like a red like a red dwarf star or a brown dwarf star that's actually in a binary system with the sun and over the course of large timescales, like millions of years, it gets close, jiggles up the Oort cloud, sends comets in to smash into the earth. Is it real? There seems to be evidence that there are uh, global catastrophes that happen every few hundred million years, so maybe, but I can definitely promise to you that all of the Planet X conspiracies that are happening on the internet are dead wrong and there's no uh, nemesis anywhere nearby. But you know, is, is it possible that we have a brown dwarf companion that, on a very elliptical orbit, that sometimes messes with the planet? It is possible and astronomers are looking for it. Fun dingles. Would a space elevator be possible on Mars? Yeah, so this idea of a space elevator, right, where you extend a cable and you have it hanging down from space right down to the surface of the Earth, and then instead of using a rocket, you just take a, an elevator up into space. Uh, it, it might not work on Earth in that there might not be uh, material components that are strong enough to provide a cable that wouldn't snap, but in fact, it would work really well on Mars. The gravity on Mars is a lot lower. It'd be a lot easier to create a cable that could handle the forces. We, we, you know, spectra, carbon fiber. We have things right now that could do this job. So actually, Mars would be a great place to put a space elevator. Legend 300. Since the moon is moving away from us, how do we keep it from moving? So the reason the moon is moving away from us is because the moon is tidally locked to the Earth, but the Earth is still turning uh, you know, once every 24 hours. Well, the moon takes about 28 days to go around the Earth. And so what happens is the moon is actually slowing the rotation of the Earth, and to compensate, the moon is slowly drifting away. And so the, and so the way that you would stop the moon from drifting away is that you would lock the Earth to the moon. So you'd have the moon orb turn once every 28 days and have the moon always in the same spot in the sky and then if you're on the moon the earth is always in the same spot of the sky and at that point there's no compensation and they'll, they'll remain the same distance forever. So if, if you want to have a day that's 28 days long then that's what you got to do. Marcus Welby, when the sun becomes a red giant will a new habitable zone be where Jupiter is? 
Yeah, so as the sun becomes a red giant, the habitable zone in the solar system will actually extend outward and move. And what places that were too icy and cold in the past will melt. And you will have a time when Europa and Ganymede, these places melt and have, and they're just like water worlds. And then eventually Enceladus around Saturn, and maybe even Pluto will melt. And that'll be the place that we can live in the future. The problem is that the sun won't spend a lot of time in this red giant phase, just a few million years. So you'll have this moment where they'll be habitable, and then shortly after that, the sun will collapse back down and then they'll be uninhabitable again. But for a little while, it'd be pretty cool to live on this water world around on Europa or Ganymede, places like that. Kurtarab asks, what do you think is going to be the biggest discovery in the next five years? So there's some really great instruments, telescopes, observatories that are going to be happening in the next five years. We're going to get the James Webb Space Telescope and that theoretically is going to be able to image the atmospheres of other planets. So we may actually if we're really lucky, we'll be able to analyze the atmosphere of a bunch of nearby planets and maybe we'll find out if one of them has life on it. I don't think so, I think, uh, but I think we will start to get these atmospheres of the other world. So I think that's going to be super exciting. We're going to have the Large Synoptic Survey Telescope. So we're going to be able to get a chance to see you know, what, the, what the night sky does when we're not looking. We're going to have, it's going to be like the best telescope right now that only observes one area. Now it's going to be observing the whole night sky every couple of nights. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be the Event Horizon Telescope. There's going to be uh, just like a ton of really great observatories that are coming out. I think the one that we can almost count on is finding another Earth. So right now we still haven't found that other planet that has the same characteristics as Earth orbiting a sun-like star. I think we will finally find that Earth 2.0 and there we go. Is there a habitable zone of a quasar? Yeah, so around a quasar is all this material that is about to fall into the supermassive black hole and it kind of piles up and heats up and and really turns into like the core of a star. Nuclear fusion is happening in this ring, in this accretion disk that's around a black hole. And so that material is gonna be blasting out radiation that's gonna then heat the area around it. Now, would you have a habitable zone? I don't know, uh, because you're gonna have this, radi this horrible radiation environment with gamma radiation. It's gonna be a really awful place, but there would be a distance from this accretion disk where liquid water could form, but it's kind of so extreme and stuff doesn't last for that long. It just, you know, swirls into the black hole and, and disappears. So, uh, you know, there probably would be a place where there would be liquid water, but it wouldn't be a habitable zone uh, in that you would want to live anywhere near there or the planets could form or t life would have a chance to evolve over vast periods of time. All right, well, thanks to everybody who asked the questions. There were some great ones, uh, not just about black holes, but lots of other topics, so that was great. Uh, as always, just go into YouTube, post a question in any video, and I'll be looking through them, answering them there, but also pulling them out to put into these question shows. All right, thanks a lot.